Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie is off this week. Ride sharing is front and center tonight as an all party committee meets with industry stakeholders to discuss the issues about bringing the service to BC. Tanya Beja was at that meeting, and Tanya, the Taxi Association pitched an idea to beat Uber at its own game. That's right, Chris. It's a last-ditch effort to protect the cab industry, but the idea didn't get a warm reception. Wondering, you know, what is the fear? A question for BC cab drivers over the future of ride-sharing. As the industry was grilled by MLAs from all parties, they pitched a new approach to survival. The Vancouver Taxi Association wants to share a common app with companies like Uber and Lyft. The cater driver dropped us off right at the stadium and picked us up as soon as the game was over. Under a platform called Cater. It's not allowing the big boys to come in and take over our province. It's keeping the money in B.C. The app would be jointly run by all stakeholders, but MLAs aren't buying it. I don't think practically that could work. Uh, And I think actually it would be troubling to me where there wouldn't be competition in the marketplace. And British Columbians have long awaited more competition. Ride sharing was promised last year, then postponed as legislators study the issue. Many raising questions over how companies like Uber treat drivers, how they cater to people with disabilities, and whether ride sharing will do anything to make Vancouver a greener city. We've got to look at that if we're going to bring in ride sharing. I don't want it to lead to a more congested city. We've got enough congestion as it is. Uber made its plea to enter the province, saying the company will improve on its track record. We've made some mistakes in the past and we've made some changes with how we we operate and here we're wanting to come in and work collaboratively with regulators and with MLAs in order to create a BC solution that works. Well, Tanya, the discussions from today are encouraging, but what's a realistic timeline here? Well, they still have a lot to work out on things like insurance, for example, how that would look for uh, ride-sharing companies. Uh, also, the legislature are likely to spend much of its spring session on budget-related issues. So, realistically, we won't see any uh, legislation on ride-sharing until the fall. Chris, back to you. All right. Thanks very much, Tanya. And she's, of course, referring to legal ride-sharing. The all-party committee also heard about several illegal ride-sharing services already up and running on the Lower Mainland. Jeff Hastings has the details and how they're quite choosy about their customers. In Richmond, the regular cabs have competition. Thanks to smartphone apps, even that supercar on the street could be your temporary ride, and it's taking a toll. We now have five illegal operators in Richmond. We have families to feed. All we know is taxi. Our business has been killed. You can see Kaboo. Yeah. And uh, just hit it. Kaboo is just one of the ride sourcing apps flourishing in Richmond. We tried to book a Mercedes SUV. Well, he's busy now. Oh, you no, got to try again. And settled for a Nissan Rogue. The driver just caught and uh, he will be here in six minutes. So in the time we've been waiting, we've seen two Richmond taxis drive by with their lights off on the street right there. 
The Rogue has a flat tire, so we have to wait for the next one. All right, so that's three taxis now and a moped. The city of Richmond is well aware of its new industry. If they were to approach us, we would not give them a business license because there is no legal uh, framework under which they would operate. Here it is. Four regular taxis pass by before our new Kabu, an Audi A4, appears. Hey, ni hao, ni hao, ni hao. He refuses our fare. He said the, uh, the drivers at the company who is running the app uh, asked them not to take any Westerner or say non-Chinese riders. Fines have been handed out at $1,150 a pop in Richmond, but it's little deterrence. The upstart's apparently willing to absorb the odd fine as the cost of conducting business. All the Taxi Association can do is beg the Passenger Transportation Board to act. They are aware of this. They're, they're making their best efforts to assure that uh, these op- operators are uh, shut down, but it's impossible to do. Jeff Hastings, Global News. And yet more questions about the future of transportation in Metro Vancouver, namely with a number of projects lined up as part of the TransLink Mayor's Council 10-year plan. The new chair of the council has stated his top priority, but that's not going over very well with the other mayors. Ted Chernecki explains why. The Patello Bridge, a structure that could literally collapse in a strong windstorm, let alone an earthquake. That's why the Mayor's Council's new chair, Burnaby Mayor Derek Corrigan, believes this should be given top priority even if it's at the expense of two other major initiatives. The $2.6 billion light rapid rail project connecting Surrey with Langley and the $2.8 billion subway line along the Broadway corridor. Corrigan was unavailable for comment, but over the weekend is quoted, I don't know if there is any organization across Canada capable of doing three major projects like that simultaneously and doing them well. I think it's rather presumptive to assume that the globe cannot handle three projects at the same time. I think they can be done. When it comes to public transit, Burnaby is better served than most, even though its mayor has been vocally opposed to just about every major expenditure. Turnstiles are rejected because it would cost us $100 million to retrofit our stations with turnstiles. I think it is a total waste of money to build a $2 billion transit line for a two-week party. Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robertson was also not commenting today, but as quoted earlier saying, it's a false choice to say it's either Patello Bridge or Rapid Transit. All three of these key projects need to happen as soon as possible. That is unanimous, Chair. But both Vancouver and Surrey mayors say just because Corrigan is now chair doesn't mean he has final say. At the end of the day, I think the TransLink Board of Directors will decide and the Mayor's Council will decide as a whole what needs to go forward. Both mayors argue that the kind of money that's now on the table from all levels of government doesn't happen very often, so don't waste the opportunity. Ted Schnecke, Global News. Kamloops RCMP are investigating a fatality on Coquihalla Highway near the Trans-Canada Interchange. RCMP responding to a call about a body in the southbound lane of Highway 5 near the Highway 1 junction just after 9 o'clock last night. While they don't know for certain, police believe the man was hitchhiking at the time. RCMP say the victim, a 21-year-old man, is not from Kamloops. Uh- all we can assume is that a vehicle hit him and the vehicle kept on going. There were no witnesses to it. And so, again, we're asking anybody with information to call Kamloops RCMP or Crime Stoppers. 
And new details tonight about the victims of a crash on the Sea to Sky Highway last week. Two men died when a northbound pickup truck crossed the center line, slamming head-on into their vehicle. Today, friends of the victims spoke with Global News about the men who lost their lives. Jennifer Palmer reports. A devastating and fatal accident left six people injured and two dead last week on the Sea to Sky Highway just north of Squamish. The carnage leaving the community shaken. It was a horrific tragedy, absolutely, no doubts about it. Seven of the victims were in a van who were coming home to Squamish after a day's work in Whistler when a head-on collision took place with a northbound pickup truck. Two men in the van died. 55-year-old Jasvir Singh Batty was visiting from Ontario and 40-year-old Daljinder Singh Baines, a father of two young children. Our dad was too much close to the kids and um, they, they were uh, very much in grief to, without her dad. Well, he was a wonderful person, all the time hardworking man. The other victims range in age from 19 to 25, all male and suffering various injuries, including broken bones and one needing his ear reattached. Friends add one man remains in hospital on life support. One of the victims is a new father and sole breadwinner. The baby, a week old when the accident happened. Another victim, the sole caregiver of his mother. The driver of the pickup truck also suffered severe injuries. The community is asking the Ministry of Transportation to make the highway safer. Every other weekend we hear the sirens blazing that, oh my gosh, okay, now there is an accident happened. So I think we there should be something done for the, this particular reason that why why are there accidents happening in, within that stretch of Squamish and Whistler. A petition is gaining momentum on change.org with hundreds of signatures already added. Here's what the ministry told us, that they will review the police report and address safety improvements at the location as necessary. This may include adding median barriers or other safety measures. A GoFundMe page has been started to help the families. Funerals are set to take place this week. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Do you remember your lights flickering last night around 7.30? This is what caused it. A car crashed into a power pole at Nord Elway and Brook Road in Delta. The two people inside escaped with minor injuries. That pole is used for high-voltage transmission, and the crash actually knocked out power for about two and a half seconds. The flicker seen by thousands of people throughout the Lower Mainland and even out on Vancouver Island. It happened when the system switched over to backup power. Some serious concerns tonight about a Langley housing complex built for seniors and people with disabilities. Some of those living in the building say they feel unsafe, even barring their doors after Fraser Health placed some new tenants in the facility. John Waugh explains. It's built as housing where seniors can happily stay and age in place. The residents are putting chairs up against the doors at night because there will be people going down trying the doorknobs. Instead, senior advocate Corey Down says the elderly living at Langley's Lion Complex have been left frozen in fear. They were duped when they moved in here. They felt that they were moving into a senior's facility for seniors, and now they're finding that they have mentally ill and hard-to-house drug addicts as well. Fraser Health confirms there are currently 21 mental health and addictions clients living at the complex, adding with no complaints they can't be certain the issue is with them. Assessments are completed to ensure that they are uh, appropriate and that they would be successful in those environments. It's all hogwash, man. Nobody gets checked out. This resident who only wanted to be identified as Paul says he has to protect seniors in an environment where drugs and theft are rampant. 
I feel sad for them. I'm afraid for them. You know, I've been trying to fight crime as long as I've been here, but you report and then they turn around and rat you out. Residents say complaints haven't been made because of a fear of consequences from building management. Interview requests to the Langley Lions Senior Citizens Housing Society were not answered. It's affecting their health, um, their stress levels, sleeping. They're living constantly in fear. Nobody wants to live that way. Laura Forrest has friends in the building. The former Riverview employee says while mental health and addictions clients need somewhere to go, mixing them with seniors makes little sense. That wasn't the intention of the seniors' buildings. They were to allow seniors to live quietly and with some relative security. But with the senior and mental health and addictions populations both expected to grow, some worry similar living arrangements are here to stay. John Hua, Global News. Right now, though, some breaking news from entertainment. Canadian actor Donnelly Rhodes has died. Rhodes died of cancer, passing away at a hospice in Maple Ridge today. The Winnipeg-born actor received a number of accolades, including a Gemini Award for his leading role in the drama Da Vinci's Inquest in 2002. He was 80 years old. That a new day is on the horizon! Oprah Winfrey brought down the house and sparked calls for a presidential run at last night's Golden Globe Awards. It's the first major award show since the film industry was hit by sexual assault scandals. Almost all of the women who attended wearing black. Now, the grassroots uprising that's created the Me Too and Time's Up movements has also spawned a second women's march in Vancouver later this month. Grace Key explains why organizers are hoping to better last year's turnout of 15,000. One year after 15,000 people took to the streets for March on Vancouver, the movement continues to gain steam. It was in support of the Women's March, a worldwide protest following U.S. President Donald Trump's inauguration. In Vancouver, it was no accident Trump Tower was along the route. This year, Hollywood's cries against sexual harassment is expected to galvanize thousands into action. We know that people are still talking about the Me Too situation. Uh, it's very... We're, we've only just begun to scratch the surface of what we're supposed to do with that and how that's going to affect people in the workplaces and relationships, everything. Wow, the power of women. <laughs> At the Golden Globes, celebrities wore black in solidarity with victims of sexual assault and harassment. Oprah Winfrey was honoured with the Cecil B. DeMille Award, giving a rousing speech some thought was even presidential in tone. Fighting hard to make sure that they become the leaders who take us to the time when nobody ever has to say, me too, again. With all the buzz surrounding a possible Oprah 2020, March on organizers hope some of that will resonate back in this province with an election year. Could I run for a school board or city council or be a mayor? It's like, of course you can. And this is exactly what it's all about. You can uh, make a difference. You can decide, I'm just going to do it and do it. Yeah. March on Vancouver starts at Jackpool Plaza on Saturday, January 20th. The march will be shorter this year, but organizers say Trump Tower will still be on the route. Grace Key, Global News. How often do you double-check your monthly bank statement to make sure you aren't overcharged? Tonight's Consumer Matters story might give you some incentive, and Andrew is here with 
More on that, and we're talking about more than a latte here, aren't we? Okay, more than a latte, and yes, you mentioned it's a good incentive to get in the habit of checking your statements, which so many of us don't do. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Chris. Many of us have been there. You make a purchase with your debit card, only to find out there's an issue at the checkout. That was the case with a Richmond senior whose debit card was charged twice. She had the paperwork to prove it, but was having a tough time getting her money back until Consumer Matters started investigating. It's easier to give a gift card than it is to go out and decide what you're going to buy someone. That's what Janice Whiting thought until she ran into trouble at the cash register. Last month, Janice walked into this Starbucks in Richmond to buy six gift cards for a total of $120. Janice paid with her debit card and was told by the store clerk. She said, oh, it didn't go through. And I says, what do you mean it didn't go through? I says... The PIN uh, pad said approved. But Janice says she was instructed to enter her PIN number again. This time the transaction went through, but Janice decided to check her bank account. So she immediately walked over to her bank only to discover $120 had been withdrawn twice from her checking account. With paperwork in hand, Janice returned to Starbucks. And I told the girl, look, it's come out of my account twice. You show her the paperwork. I show her and she goes to her manageress and the manageress comes out and she says, well, it's not showing on our tapes. Janice says she went back to her bank again and had the paperwork showing the two debit withdrawal transactions faxed to Starbucks Canada's head office. Still, Janice says she was getting bounced around with no results. I've been such a loyal customer for so many years why are they you know making it so hard for for me that's when janice's daughter contacted consumer matters after we reached out to starbucks canada janice got a call from the company offering her a full refund they wanted to give me my money back but in person in addition, Starbucks gave Janice a $120 gift card. When we asked Starbucks Canada for an explanation, we were told in a statement, the issue was a result of an isolated technology processing error and not a case of fraud or malicious intent. We are thankful for the customer's patience and understanding during the process. I was getting nowhere until you, you contacted me. Now, going forward, Janice says she'll leave the plastic at home and only use cash to avoid any future hassles at the till. But again, this is a cautionary tale to get into the habit of checking your bank statements, especially if transactions don't go through. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Thanks very much, Ann. And uh, one more consumer note now. Registration begins today for free $25 gift cards offered by the Loblaws chain, the grocery giant offering the cards after an admission that it conspired, or at least some employees did, conspired to fix the price of bread for 13 years. Consumers have to sign up online. Loblaws says taking part in the rebate program will not disqualify you from participating in any class action lawsuits that have been launched. You can find a link to the website at globalnews.ca slash bc. Dozens of crew members of an oil tanker are missing off the coast of China after a collision between two major ships. The Panama-registered tanker caught fire after colliding with a Hong Kong-registered bulk freighter. 32 crew members are missing, including 30 Iranians and two Bangladeshis. All 21 crew members on the freighter were rescued. 
The tanker was carrying 136,000 tons of oil. A dramatic river rescue to tell you about in China after a woman was stranded in a tree surrounded by floodwaters. With the water level rising, firefighters extended the arm of an excavator but couldn't quite reach her. Another firefighter fought the raging current to get to her and then used his body as a bridge between the tree and the excavator. The woman became stranded after she decided to ride a bike across a bridge that was already covered with water. The water level rose so fast she was washed away. She was rescued and not seriously injured. Another successful rocket launch today for SpaceX, but this one was a little different. Three, two, one. Ignition. Five minutes into the launch of the satellite, codenamed Zuma, SpaceX suddenly ended its launch commentary. That's because the exact nature of the satellite is classified and its orbit will be undisclosed. Defense contractor Northrop Grumman built it but won't say for which U.S. agency. SpaceX did continue to broadcast the return of the first stage booster to Cape Canaveral where it landed upright to be used again. Another warning tonight about the amount of time children spend on their cell phones and a powerful call to take action. Two major investors in Apple have sent an open letter to the tech giant urging it to offer more tools to help parents fight their children's cell phone addiction. Jana Partners and the California State Teachers Retirement System want Apple to enhance mobile device software so parents have more options to limit access. They say Apple can show the industry that paying attention to children's health is both good business and the right thing to do. In Health Matters tonight, a new campaign has been launched to battle the stigma of dementia or Alzheimer's. A new survey found 25% of Canadians believe their family or friends would avoid them if they had dementia. More troubling, only 5% of Canadians say they would learn more about the disease if a family member or friend were diagnosed. That's why the Alzheimer's Society of Canada is working to raise awareness. Why then um, are, are they educating themselves around other uh, critical health conditions, heart disease, stroke, uh, cancer, diabetes, and so on? And so what is it about dementia that people so fear? A Vancouver Island mother whose son suffers from crippling arthritis isn't giving up her fight for an expensive drug. Jillian Lanthier's son, Landon, has been turned down by Pharmacare three times. Tonight, she's sharing some heartbreaking video that explains why she's now considering taking the government to court. Nitu Garcha reports. <laughs> he may laugh and play like any other six-year-old, but Landon Alexa suffers from agonizing pain. I feel sore and... I don't feel very well, and then it hurts very much. Landon has a rare form of arthritis. His mother has filmed some of the troubling moments that would be difficult for any parent to bear. I just feel like a failure. When he's screaming in pain, there's okay. nothing I can do. Jillian Lanthier says her son's excruciating pain clear signs his current treatments aren't working. After months of fighting to secure funding for the drug Kinimab, Lanthier's latest move has been to contact lawyers as she considers taking the province to court. They have recommended a potential human rights case um, against the government 
and they have also recommended something under Section 7 of the Charter Right. The drug costs more than $225,000 per year. It's approved by Health Canada, but not covered by BC Pharmacare. The government is paying more money through hospital bills versus just biting the bullet and seeing what this will do for three months. The Ministry of Health says it won't comment on specific patients, but it does confirm that requests like this one are approved on a case-by-case basis. But despite Landier's appeals, Landon has been denied coverage three times. As he deals with fevers and swollen joints, Landon is often sent home from school, and he requires bi-weekly injections. I stand outside the door, and I listen to my child scream. Thankfully, because of the sedation, he doesn't remember it. But I do. And that's why Lanthier says their fight is far from over. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Souk. A grieving father in the Okanagan is speaking out tonight and demanding answers after his son died of meningitis. My son, as far as I'm concerned, died needlessly. Lee Pratt's 19-year-old son, Aiden, bled to death internally on the bathroom floor of his Oliver home last October. He died 15 days after visiting his family doctor, complaining of headaches, nausea, lack of appetite, and a burning in his throat. He was given a stomach medication and sent home. His father says officials told him his son tested positive for meningitis, but an official cause of death is still being investigated. The Interior Health Authority didn't publicly confirm two cases of meningococcal disease in the South Okanagan until almost a month after Aiden's death and declared an outbreak more than two months after he died when 11 more cases had been reported. It doesn't matter where Aiden contracted meningitis from. It's the process of alerting us and alerting the public that needs to be looked at. We are owed answers. Everybody is owed answers here. This could be anybody's kid. Interior Health says it can't comment on individual cases due to privacy reasons, but says immunizations were expanded to more than just high school students after three cases were confirmed. Maybe a slight exaggeration there. Only if it makes it easier. That's right. Right? Well, (laughs) you've been uh, consulting some of your technology to find out what's coming for us. What's up, people? Yeah, so we are seeing some rainfall still this evening, but there is a break in between, and I'll show you that. We're seeing a number of systems just targeting us across coastal sections, and we do have a snowfall warning if you're heading into the mountain passes, and I'll show you which areas in just a moment. Here's the next round of moisture. We'll steep for the evening hours. Most of the rain across the south coast is going to ease off overnight, and it'll be much drier as we get in towards our Tuesday. Seven is the current temperature to the airport, a light easterly wind at 13 kilometers. On the Almanac today, a high of eight degrees. We're still around the average for this time of the year that sits at six. Here's our Tuesday, a nice break in between systems, but Wednesday, Thursday, it looks like it may be very blustery across coastal sections. And if you're heading along the mountain passes, here's a current shot of the Kootenai Pass where we do have a snowfall warning and anywhere between 20 and up to 25 centimeters will take you through your Tuesday. Highway 97 for the Pine Pass. Most of the snow will still be for this evening. Much lighter overnight, but an additional 10 centimeters. And you're close to totaling up to 30 centimeters of snowfall. Coquihalla and the Rogers Pass will still continue to see snowfall. In towards Thursday, many areas along the Coke between 15 and up to 20 centimeters. Coastal sections for tomorrow, the northern half of the province. It'll taper off to showers. Inland could still see a few flurries, wet flurries for areas near Terrace. Much of the northeastern corners of the province, so the snow 
snow is going to ease off, especially for Highway 97. Central interior, it's a chance of flurries and most areas for lower elevations tomorrow. We'll see that transition with over a cha- uh, with the change to showers, rather. Higher elevations, it's still going to fall as snow. Whistler tomorrow could still see a few flurries for the early morning hours. Temperatures will get just above the freezing mark at 1. Victoria tomorrow underneath the mainly cloudy sky will be at 8 degrees. Eastern sections of the island will also see some nice breaks as early as the morning hours. Enjoy your Tuesday. That looks to be the drier out of the bunch. And then the next weather maker is really going to push in and heavy at times Wednesday, Thursday. I anticipate it'll be blustery for areas near the water. And then on Friday, even looking ahead towards next weekend, We'll see breaks late in the day, and that'll hopefully take us in towards our Saturday as well. A very happy birthday this evening to Eva Williamson from Vancouver, celebrating 101. And tonight's weather window, fantastic shot sent in by Michaela, and these are some horses and cantaloupes. Chris? Pretty shot. Okay, thanks very much, Yvonne. Well, it is the biggest electronic show on Earth opening in Las Vegas tomorrow. And this year, the Consumer Electronics Show is big on putting robots to work for us, no matter where we are. The robots are coming, equipped with artificial intelligence and personality. The Renaissance Hotel deploys Elvis and Priscilla to check on guest Wi-Fi and deliver room service. Oh, hello. All right. Towels, bath products, everything you could need. Thanks, Priscilla. Nice to meet you. I think it brings guests into the hotel for that wow factor, especially here in Vegas. Kicker, project on the ceiling. Kicker can be a television and a security guard rolled into one, projecting streaming content and monitoring your home. This is the Yumly platform. And in the kitchen, a new app from Yumly captures the food already in your fridge. Here we have some asparagus. Oh, that's salmon. Oh, we've got some beautiful potatoes. It suggests recipes that are sent directly to a new smart Whirlpool oven that preheats on its own and then tells you exactly what to do. We want people to enjoy cooking again and feel like they can do it. The stuff of science fiction now rolling into reality. Jolene Kent, NBC News, Las Vegas. Amazing stuff. And a very well-organized fridge, I might say, in that story. Whose fridge is that, Clay? Uh, hey, nobody, <laughs> nobody I know. No. Hey, uh, you know they grow up so fast. Kensington Palace releasing two pictures on a momentous day. Two-year-old Princess Charlotte officially starting school at Wilcox Nursery School, very close to the family's home. Charlotte already looking like a pro at posing for the pictures as she sets off for school. The picture's taken by her mother, Kate, the Duchess of Cornwall. Very, very cute. She's a great photographer. She always comes out with these great shots behind the lens. Yeah, she really she really does take some beautiful photos and is, and is eager to share them, too. So thankful that she has. Squire and the Canucks on the road. Jay's stepping in. How do you know he's on the road? Well, I mean, he's not here. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I not- saw, actually saw him in the back not that long ago. Got a story coming up in the news. Yeah. Hour yeah, here we go. Thanks, Chris. Good evening, everybody. The Canucks seven-game road trip continues tomorrow in Washington, and Chris Tanev is expected to be in the lineup. Tanev missed yesterday's game in Montreal after taking a puck in the face the night before versus the Leafs. His goal is to finish the remainder of the road trip before undergoing major dental surgery during the Canucks bye week. Good news is he didn't sustain any facial fractures. It's amazing when you realize he took the brunt of this shot in the face. He lost upwards of seven teeth. 
Some of them got recovered, picked up by his teammate Michael Delzato. Right now, the major issue for Tanev is trying to eat and stay nourished. Has problems when you don't have a whole lot of teeth in your mouth anymore. He will wear a full facial uh, shield tomorrow. Canucks say he'll need dental surgery to repair his gums. Surgery expected. There it is. He's picking the teeth off the ice. Surgery expected to take place during the Canucks bye week. I'll tell you, nobody can question the toughness of Chris Tanev. Quite late in the NHL. Hey, who needs smelling souls when you got hockey gloves? <laughs> Every wife at home right now saying, yes, we know exactly what we're saying. Uh, the old hockey pack. James Van Riemsdyk putting together a nice little campaign for the Buds. That's his 18th. Good hand-eye coordination. It was one nothing. William Nylander. How's this for a heavy shot? It's a bullet in and out. Yeah, I'll show it to you one more time. They were leading 2 nothing late in the third. They've blown that. They're now into a 2-2 tie in overtime with Columbus. Vancouver Whitecaps have sent Sam Atakube packing for good. They've transferred him to Norwegian side. The 22-year-old was a Caps homegrown defender. Spent five years with the Caps first team. Made 16 starts and 23 appearances across all competitions. Hasn't played much the last few seasons locally. They sent him on separate loans to England and Sweden. Now he's off to Norway for good. Major shift on the national soccer front. John Herdman taking over the men's national program. Canada Soccer naming Herdman's men's national coach as well as the Excel director. This move came late this afternoon. Bit of a shocker as Herdman has led the women's program to back-to-back Olympic bronze medals. Canadian women are currently ranked fifth in the world. Our men's program ranked 94. Whitecaps also announcing today that they've come to an agreement with BC United who picked up the contract of David Ostad. Ostad heading to D.C. United. Caps received their uh, second-round MLS Super Draft pick. Ostad spent five seasons with the White Caps after joining them as a free agent in 2013. He made 151 starts, 58 wins, 53 losses, 39 draws across all competitions. Yeah, competition. FA Cup delivering the first use of video replay in competitive soccer today. Referee Andrew Marner had a helping hand via his earpiece because they wanted to see if this was a good goal. And it's the winning goal coming off of a free kick. The question was whether or not Glenn Murray had the header deflect off his arm or off his thigh. Watch right here. Glances off the thigh. Brighton takes it 2-1, sets up a fourth-round matchup versus second-tier Middlesbrough. Anyone who's hopped on a mountain bike and ventured down some of the trails on the North Shore or along the Whistler Corridor instantly falls in love with our great outdoors. Beautiful BC, home to world-class trails and world-class riders. Kamloops-born Wade Simmons is considered the godfather of free riding, a modern-day trailblazer in more ways than one. Wade Simmons' story is literally one about taking a road less traveled. He was a BMX racer, but one day he took his bike off the groomed track and into the woods around Whistler. All of a sudden, I could ride off the course and go into the woods and go up that up those stairs and into the trails, and I was blown away. Going, it's like freedom just opened up for me, you know. And that was kind of like that's what drew me to mountain biking. <laughs> because he was one of the first, Simmons is considered the godfather of free riding. But he and his small band of trailblazers had no idea that their adrenaline rushes were the genesis of a whole new sport. We didn't have a pioneering mentality. I think no one does. They just do it. It was just more like this is cool. You know, and we're doing something new. So it was kind of, it was like organic, right? It was the right place at the right time, I would say. Simmons was not only there at the start of mountain biking, he's also involved in its evolution to bring more people to the sport. 
So this is uh, an electric assist bike. So it has, it has a battery in here, boom, an electric motor, and you just plug it in and it gives you, it's pedal assist. So there's no throttle, you gotta pedal it, and it just gives you a bit of a boost. For me, it's like a distance thing. You know, it's like I ride, I got kids, a family, I ride for an hour and a half, now I can go three times as far. And three times as far or more also explains the growth of the sport. It's become bigger than just the pros. Free riding and mountain biking is now doing what skiing did years ago, becoming a worldwide recreational activity. Mountain biking has turned this corner. It's kind of it's starting to blow up. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a sport that people book their vacations on now. You know, it's not just the renegades like we were 20 years ago in the wood, getting dirty and jumping off stuff. It's kind of like doctors, lawyers are, you know, they're, they're booking trips to go mountain biking. I mean, it's kind of reached that global presence. And it has BC to thank for it. Marin invented the mountain bike. We invented mountain biking. Incredible talent. Uh, tennis news, Andy Murray has undergone hip surgery. He says he's hoping to be back for Wimbledon. He also says that he's hoping to be 95% of what his best used to be. So best of luck to Andy Murray. And DeMar DeRozan, Toronto Raptors uh, forward, is the NBA's Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Averaged uh, just under 35 points in three games last week. DeMar DeRozan. Great week. All Eastern right. Conference Player of the Week. Thanks very much, Jay. Here is a look at today's snow report. Fresh snow on almost all the mountains across uh, southern and central British Columbia. Whistler Blackcomb, a base of 181. Grouse, 212. Cypress, 230. Sasquatch, 224. Revelstoke, a base of 167. Manning Park, 112. And Powder King, 152. In the southern interior, uh, Great Bases, Big White 163, Silver Star 152, Sun Peaks 127, and Apex 145 centimeter base. Coming up on ET Canada, Oprah for president? It's only gaining momentum and Stedman agrees. Plus, plenty of engagement news from the Golden Globe after parties. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right, thanks very much. Well, a couple of families in Montreal have joined forces to give neighborhood kids a chance to play hockey without ever leaving their street. As Global's Billy Shields reports, it's a unique variation on the old classic backyard ice rink. The kids on Osborne Street are off school for the day, and job one this morning is dusting off their brand new rink, wedged right in front of a townhouse. It's only about a week old and it's already getting steady use. The so-called sidewalk skating rink blew up on Facebook over the weekend. Even cops answering a call nearby said they'd heard about it and chuckled. David Socia says the idea actually came during the summertime while he and his neighbors were playing outside with the kids. It was just uh, a desire to, to do the same thing in the winter because everyone is inside. The hardest part was packing the snow in walls so that water piped in from Socia's kitchen sink would freeze on a level surface. Other parents offered up their ideas. We said, well, maybe we should put a membrane on the floor. Maybe we should do this. Let's go check on the net. Let's go. But this was back in June and July. Commenters on Facebook are wondering how long it's going to be before the plow takes care of this sidewalk rink. Not so fast. As you can see from the offset from the sidewalk, this is something that the designers thought of already. Sure enough, during a game, a sidewalk plow was waiting on the street, and it could just fit past the walls. We, we get along well. On the street, the reaction to the rink has been strong. In the past, this group of neighbors has created other homemade attractions, like an ice slide down the stairs. Oh my God, it's so amazing. These people, um, I've been living here for nine years, and every year it's always something special. 
and uh, it's always for the kids. It's nice because we get to play with them. They get to play on the ice. They get to get better ice skating, and it's, it's just fun, you know? They're not, they're not just inside playing video games or watching TV. Now it seems only two things can ruin the wintertime fun. Warm weather in the forecast and having the kids go back to school. Billy Shields, Global News, Montreal. I love it. It is Great pretty story. cool. I, I regret that that can't happen here, but I'm also thankful that can't happen here. Yeah, we can just watch too. the video instead. That's right. Hey, one last note about hockey. A shout-out to the North Shore Winter Club and a number of other clubs who participated in the Apex Winter Classic, raising money for BC Children's Hospital. The North Shore team raised the most money, though, almost $6,450, followed by Burnaby, Kelowna, Penticton, and Seafair. The event started four years ago. This year, more than $26,000 was raised. And in the last four years, more than $77,000, all of it going to BC Children's Hospital. Job well done to everyone who participated. Well done, boys and girls. And raised money. And it, look, while we're on the topic of hockey or skating, a shout out to the staff and everybody who was at Trout Lake Rink yesterday for the family skate. Strapped on the old cheese cutters Whoa. yesterday for the first time in a while, Jay. I'm not coming out How to the global. How are the hands bruised up from the push bar? No, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't <laughs> too bad. They didn't laugh too hard, but uh, it was Boy. a fun, fun day there yesterday. <laughs>